The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Gotham City Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, January 18th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Batwoman. Please welcome back my co-hosts after an extended hiatus, Millie Wood. Hello, Gotham City. Glad to be back. And Professor X. Hello, Gotham. Awesome. All of my co-hosts have been sanitized for your protection, listeners. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 2, Episode 1, which was titled, Whatever Happened to Kate Kane? Question mark. And aired January 17th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. As Kate's friends and family hold on to hope that Kate may still be found, a homeless 25-year-old named Ryan Wilder stumbles upon Kate's batsuit. Focused on no longer being a victim, Ryan takes a suit to use as armor and goes rogue in the streets of Gotham, taking out various members of a new gang called the False Face Society. Meanwhile, both Jacob Kane and Luke Fox launch searches for Kate. Mary Hamilton grapples with losing yet another family member. Sophie Moore struggles with things left unsaid to her first love. And Alice is furious that someone got to Kate before she could exact her revenge. At the same time, quote-unquote Bruce Wayne returns under the pretense of searching for Kate, but the truth is he wants his suit back, and it becomes the clash of imposters as quote-unquote Batwoman and quote-unquote Bruce square off. Brum, brum, brum. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 2, Episode 1. The Season 2 premiere of Batwoman, it drew 663,000 total viewers with a point one in the demo rating, down from both its Season 1 averages, 995k and a point two six, and its freshman finale, 740k and a point two, marking its third smallest audience to date and matching its demo low, which was actually reached about a year ago. So that's a bummer. But let's get into it. Let's chat about the season two premiere of Batwoman. So much is different. Uh, over when was it? it feels like a thousand years ago was the last time that the three of us chatted and that was when it was breaking news you know with so much news in the real world and the entertainment world it just seems like so long ago that uh ruby rose would not be returning to batwoman we had an entire podcast giving 
casting suggestions, and uh, they didn't listen to any of it, which was fine, <laughs> because they, they picked their own person. And let's talk about Ryan. Let's actually start off talking about Ryan Wilder. In essence, what we saw was what they like to call a soft reboot of the series. We have a new character, Ryan Wilder. We got a whole bunch of backstory. And what was our first impression of Ryan Wilder, Millie? I'm intrigued by her. I think that, uh, I mean, obviously, I think that's how they set it up. She's the complete opposite of Kate. But I think there's a lot of tidbits that you can see that she's going to connect with everybody. Uh, She definitely has kind of a a chip on her shoulder. I do think that in terms of when they developed it, it felt a little bit like falling into certain cliches um, with this type of character. But, I mean, my my. Feelings towards Kate was no secret, so I'm super excited. I, so far, I like what we're seeing, and so I can't wait to kind of see where she goes. I mean, obviously, I think this was a lot about wrapping up Kate's story, so we didn't get to see as much, but what we see so far seems really promising. I do agree with you on a lot of that. Professor, your initial reaction? I agree. I like her. Um, when you mentioned, uh, you know, back in in June when uh, we found out that, uh, you know, uh, Ruby was leaving the show, uh, we talked about recasting. And at the time, I just assumed they would cast a, you know, similar actress and just to be Kate Kane. I hadn't even considered the possibility that they would write Kate out entirely and replace her. I think the decision to do so was the right decision. I think a lot of what we learned in this episode deals with some of the problems uh, with Kate Kane, some and some of them were obviously, you know, based on, you know, the way that uh, she was being played. But also, uh, I've, I'm sure we'll get into it in the episode. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, presenting a completely different uh, Batwoman uh, gives them uh, a lot more storytelling arc than they had before. And uh, I'm cautiously positive, and I really do like uh, Javicia. I think there were three scenes in this episode where I thought to myself, oh, you know what? I like that. And that would never have happened last season. Yes, I liked her a lot too. She, um, I mean, we aren't going to just start, you know, dissing Ruby Rose throughout the podcast. But I will say that um, some of the comedic elements, the snark that she brought, I like, I couldn't see Ruby Rose really doing. Um, Ruby Rose played Kate a little more Oliver Queenish. And Javicia's take on Batwoman as a character, bringing sort of a, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of um, a little bit of innocence in a sense, uh, was really nice. Uh, I liked her from out the gate, and uh, I don't know if I could have one hundred percent said that about Kate Kane in season one, episode one. Well, and as you say, she was sort of playing it in the uh, the arrow theme. Uh, and what I would really like to see, and I, I don't know if they're doing that entirely because it, it does seem, you know, they're still playing on the dark elements. But I would love to see uh, Ryan Wilder sort of exulting in in the power and freedom that she's gaining by being Batwoman. Because, you know, one of the things we don't get in a lot of the CW shows is the sense of, you know what? Having superpowers is pretty freaking cool. And, you know, we got a little bit of that from Supergirl. We got a little bit of that from The Flash, but The Flash has obviously gotten darker. Supergirl's gotten a bit darker. There's there's not that sense of exulting in what you can actually accomplish. And I'm hoping that they might find a way to examine that through Ryan's eyes in a way that they couldn't through uh, Kate's eyes. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. 
Now, just to confirm, Ryan Wilder is not a comic book character, correct? The name Ryan Wilder? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, the only Batwoman has ever been Kate Kane. Okay. Okay. Because some people, um, before the premiere, this was like, you know, in, in the coming weeks, uh, you know, as, as, you know, more news was coming out and sneak peeks and that kind of stuff. Some people were maybe thinking that Ryan Wilder was not going to be her real name and, and her real name would end up being some sort of not necessarily comic book accurate Batwoman character, but at least a, a comic book, um, character in in name um, and in this episode we did find out that she is uh adopted so if ryan wilder isn't her real name maybe that's something that that could end up happening she could be an actual gothamite from uh the comics maybe perhaps she should use her real name robin okay there little, you go a little shout out to a little movie reference there that's funny Okay, so I'm watching this, and as we're being introduced to Ryan via some of the flashbacks in the beginning, I'm like, wow, we finally have a CW superhero who's got a supportive parent who is, you know, she, she does not have the um, the, the homophobia that... Uh, that like um, Sophie was going through or, or that Kate went through growing up. She's got this positive maternal figure in her life. I'm like, is this going to be something different? You know, something that we're not used to on Batwoman. And then bam, she dies. And I'm like, okay, well, we had it for a moment. y'all. We had it for a moment. Did, uh, did, we um, like how um, the tragic uh, Ryan Wilder story tied into uh, the overall mythos that we were introduced to in season one. Professor? You know what? In, in certain respects, and I was, this is what I was referring to a little earlier, if you think about you know, the, the Batman mythos, why did Batman become Batman, which is an insane thing to do? It's because he lost his parents. He couldn't deal with it, and he decided that no one else should have to deal with that. Why did Kate Kane become Batwoman? Huh? Because it was a family thing? Because she thought there was the need for this symbol? There was never that personal, emotional reason to go doing this absolutely batshit insane thing pun intended, that they're doing on a nightly basis. So giving Ryan a very, you know, not entirely, not the same as uh, as Bruce Wayne's uh, origin, but giving her the same sort of motivation to, you know, partially personal revenge. But then, you know, the assumption is that over time she will realize that this isn't just a personal revenge. This is trying to save others from what she went through. I think that gives her a much more understandable motivation for doing what she's doing. That I think, honestly, part of the problem with Kate Kane was she never had that visceral reason for doing what she's doing you know she was kind of doing it because the city needs a hero but that's not the same as having that personal motivation and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing how they deal with that you know because uh you know obviously ryan has that personal motivation 
partially to hunt down, you know, the bastards responsible for her uh, uh, her adoptive mother's death. And and I agree with you. I, I was looking at them together, you know, not realizing that this was going to be her origin story because I sort of stayed out of the, the link. So I was thinking, oh, this is a great vibe, a great dynamic between the two of them. This is really refreshing. And then, oh, dear God, no. Um, but I do think it gives her that interesting personal motivation, which, you know, then, you know, uh, can channel into. And ultimately, it'll be the question of, you know, uh, her desire for personal revenge versus, you know, the, the desire to be a hero. And I think that could be a really interesting conflict to play for her, um, which will be very different from uh, what we dealt with last season. Well, yes. Yeah, that is true. Now, the question that I had about uh, the information that we got in her origin, as well as uh, the information that we got in the episode. So in once she finds the bat suit. Uh, she starts going after gang members in this new gang called the False Face Society. And she's looking for the leader of the False Face Society. But in the flashback, we learn, and, and in the um, just the information that Mary got in the episode, we learn that the people responsible for her adopted uh, mother's, uh, adoptive mother's um, death it seems to be the Wonderland gang, and it looks like Alice. I mean, we actually see Alice show up, and then she's like, what are you guys doing here? Let's jet, basically. So was that something that uh, that, that kind of bugged me? Because I was like, what are they going with here? Um, so I was a little confused. Uh, am, I, am I the only one that was confused? Millie? I was confused as well. I was also kind of confused where, I think in, in terms of background, like where she got the information that it was the false face society, and maybe that's a misdirect, and it's meant to confuse us, but it, it was strange, and, I'm, and I don't know if they're going to tie that up or if that's just kind of something they looked over. Yeah. Professor, did you notice that? Uh, did you, yeah, did you think that was an error? Or, uh, I mean, they are going to be introducing... I mean, they they have they they did announce that they would be introducing the False Face Society, so they are a new street gang. Um, what did you think of just the what was said by um, or what was experienced by Ryan versus what we learned via Mary? Yeah, it was curious. Um, it's entirely possible because, as you say, they sort of did make a point of having Alice come to the uh, the door and and Ryan seeing her, but there's no reason to assume that Ryan in that moment or at that time would know who Alice in fact was. So it's possibly she didn't realize, and, and that might be a realization later in the season that this is someone who was involved in that, even if Alice wasn't directly involved uh, in the killing of her mom and the landlord, um, you know, she seems to be someone, you know, in position of responsibility in the gang. I did find it a little confusing, you know, because my assumption was the false face gang would have been Alice's gang, you know, on, you know, false faces no doy um and the fact that alice was there did make me wonder about that or is this going to be you know more you know you know the sophia uh angle of things um i don't know i'm, I'm a little unclear on the timeline as to exactly when her uh mother was killed uh but it seems to me that it might have been before alice was really established as you know, a big bad. So maybe, you know, at the time people didn't realize who Alice was. So it could be that the, uh, the false face society was before, uh, you know, Alice became established with her Wonderland gang. Maybe. Uh, but it seems like from, 
from what I've read, it looks like the False Face Society is a new gang. Although maybe it's just a gang that we haven't been introduced to, so that's why we see it as new. Um, yeah, because because uh, you would think that she would know that the Wonderland gang um, is is you know sort of was the the big gang in town. Uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. It was just it was interesting. Um, the timeline of it is a little problematic because if you think about it, the fact that you know you know. At, you know, when uh, later in the episode, when Mary was reading out her history and stuff like that, did she go to jail after her mom was killed? In which case, you know, this would have happened 18 months to two years in the past, which is considerably earlier than Kate Kane was active as Batwoman, which would seem to be much earlier than uh, than Alice was recognized as the threat that she was. So, yeah, I'd have to sort of sit down and, and watch the episode again with that question in mind to try to work out the timeline. Yes. I'm, yeah, um, I agree with all that. All right, so let's talk about Kate Kane. So uh, we start off the episode with her, uh, what was it, like a jet? It crashes. Uh, there is no body of Kate. Ryan actually witnesses it. And uh, she saves, uh, it looks like it's, I thought the man was a part of the plane, but it looks like he was just maybe a homeless man that got, you know, hit by debris. The pilot's hand was found in uh, the river, and Ryan ends up finding the bat suit, and she ends up taking it. So throughout the episode... We're left with what happened to Kate. We get little tidbits of what was going on, and we get a little bit of a timeline as to when this episode airs. It looks like it. It this is basically just a couple of days after the season finale, the season one finale. She was going to National City to talk to Kara about the little shard of kryptonite that she has, and in essence, you know, she wants to destroy it. Uh, but she wants to get uh, Kara's permission because Kara, you know, was like, yeah, I want you to protect it. And uh, she, she vanishes. Everyone's doing a search for her. Um, we, get, we get a whole bunch of just interesting character work uh, that we will be discussing in a moment. But just overall, Kate Kane, what are they going to do with Kate? Is Kate going to be like the real Bruce Wayne? Is she just going to vanish into the ether? Uh, will this be a season-long arc? Uh, will uh, will Kate end up having to have to be dead? Or will they find Kate? And uh, I don't think it's going to be Ruby Rose. But will they actually recast Kate? to find her what do we think uh, any theories millie i think it's just going to kind of go in the bruce wayne route where it's you know there's no body so you can't really say she's actually dead so you keep that mystery you don't like to kill her off but you know maybe unlikely you know <laughs> he said one day ruby rose does want to come back they have that door but i think it's it's best they they don't dwell on it too long and just like oh she's out there somewhere maybe um and then just kind of close the door on that and then move forward with like ryan's story okay professor your thoughts on kate and what they're doing with the character um, I think it's inevitable that, you know, after a tragedy like that, the uh, assumption is, well, we haven't found a body, therefore we can't be sure she's dead. Um, 
I think that's that's kind of dumb from a storytelling point of view, um, you know, to, to continue the holiness. And the worst thing for them would be to like, oh, here's, you know, someone was using her ATM or, you know, here's a picture that we thought we saw of her or anything like that. I think the worst thing would be to drag it out. And the even worse than worst thing uh, would be to recast her and bring back a different Kate Kane. Um, if they were going to do that, then just do that in the first episode. Why introduce Ryan Wilder at all? So I think the smart thing to do would be to gradually have the team grieve and come to accept that they've lost Kate and move on. Although that's difficult because, you know, so much of the, the backstory of the show is based on Kate uh, and her relationship with Sophie and, uh, and Jacob and, uh, and Julia uh, and, and Mary. And so, you know, it becomes more difficult to establish relationships between the existing characters and the new character. But I think dragging it out in uh, in a, a ridiculous, you know, the, the sort of way that only works in soap operas and uh, comic books uh, would be a mistake. Uh, I think, you know, make the cut and realize just right off last season and move ahead. Yeah, I'm worried they're going to make this a season long arc. And, and we don't know how long officially the season is going to be, whether it's going to be treated like, um, you know, the, the 13 episodes and we're not going to get the back nine, as they like to say in the industry, or if we are going to get a full 20 or almost 20 episode season. Uh, if they do this for the first maybe 10 episodes, you know, just milk it so that, you know, everyone gets the chance to, and everyone being the, the cast that was close to Kate, which was everyone, gets the chance to sort of mourn and accept that she is gone I'm fine with that. If they do that for like 20 episodes, that's going to be a bit too much. Um, what I hope that they kind of do is like someone gets a letter from Kate that is like, I'm with Bruce or something like that. And or I don't I just I don't know. Yeah, because I don't know how they wrap this up. Uh, Kate is now tied to Sophia. So it, it is as we get more information about her, are we going to get more information about where Kate is or um, yeah, I'm like, my brain can't really wrap around how they're going to do this neatly, especially because they introduced a new character who's going to take on the bat mantle. And if we do end up finding Kate, as you said, professor, it really negates the fact that we have this new character unless Kate comes back and she's like, I don't want to be the, this bat person, you know, it wasn't meant for me. It was meant for you, Ryan, or something like that. I don't know. Um, I was, yeah, I, I don't know where they're going to go with this. It's strange to sort of just have a character missing. I mean, it's strange enough that Bruce Wayne is missing, but that was like the mythos that was introduced at the start of, uh, Batwoman. But to have the main character from season one all of a sudden missing, and we don't know if she's dead or alive, it's kind of strange. I get why they aren't killing her outright. There is a trope on television, in particular on the CW, where they kill off lesbian characters. Um, it, it happened on a couple of other shows, so it, it has become a trope. And I know I read a lot of stuff. Uh, when they announced Ruby Rose's departure, they were like, just please don't kill her off. You guys keep on killing lesbian characters. And we're noticing. So uh, I, I get that they don't want to do that, but it's like, I, I don't know what else they can do. It just seems weird to have her all of a sudden, after a year, you know, I want to retire. 
I think uh, another reason to just write her out, and and I think you know, a smart way to do that is you know, as you say, let them have you know. I wouldn't go as far as ten episodes. I would have them like three to five episodes of of dealing with and grieving, and then just move on. And I think part of the reason is something I talked about, you know, uh, a few times last season, which is the idea of the shadow of the bat. You know, uh, you know, uh, Kate Kane was working as Batwoman in the shadow of Batman, and the fact that the show always felt like it had to bend over backwards to make references to Bruce Wayne and Batman and the established Bat mythos. Uh, there's a danger that they will now be trying to do that to the established Bat mythos as they did in this episode with, you know, a Joker reference and stuff like that, as well as the Kate Kane uh, mythos. And and I think that you're just putting too much on the show, um, you know, right off the past focus on telling interesting stories about the characters that you have rather than trying to deal with, the past would be my suggestion. Yeah. I guess we will have to wait and see what they do, but hopefully they do go in that direction because, uh, yeah, the Kate shadow is a big one. And, and I mean, clearly, I mean, there, it was going to have to be a big one in the first episode. Uh, but hopefully that shadow, you know, starts to shrink as the episodes, uh, progress. So let's talk about Bruce Wayne. Because they got that storyline done fast. And, and I wonder if that would have been the case had uh, Kate Kane still be around, still have been around. Which I, I feel like the case would have been opposite. I feel like they would have dragged this storyline out a lot more. Uh, in this episode, we had a lot of Bruce Wayne. He... Um, you know, Tommy was parading around as Bruce Wayne and enjoying the perks of Bruce uh, Wayne's, you know, life and that sort of thing. Um, we saw him reunite with a bunch of people that Bruce Wayne was close to. We also saw him, you know, not necessarily be the best Bruce Wayne. I feel like he thought he would be the best Bruce Wayne. But at the end of the day, did he really know him? If he didn't know, you know, some of the obvious things that, uh, you know, that that his close friends would have you know uh would have caught on to him not being Bruce professor what did you think of how they handled this dangling thread from the season 1 finale <laughs> On the one level something that frustrates me about the show is the idea that all you have to do is look like someone and everyone accepts now in the Bruce Wayne case Bruce has been away for 5 years so you know Obviously, you know, you're, you're not going to necessarily remember exactly his voice or anything like that. Uh, I did like the fact that uh, Julia was the one who uh, first sussed out, wait, this isn't quite right. Um, you know, she's she's a secret agent. She is inherently more suspicious than everyone else. And she was the first person to sort of drop that, you know, uh, the idea of, of dropping something in there that the person is going to get wrong because you're testing them. Uh, you know, Luke would never have thought to do that because, you know, that's not the relationship Luke had with him. So I thought that worked out well. Uh, I'm really glad they wrapped it up in the first episode. Um, I just feel that, you know, with Alice out there, with Sophia coming in, um, I've never, you know, even, you know, going back to the the Hush storyline uh, in the comics, I, I've never liked Tommy Merlin as a character. He was introduced, you know, later and, you know, just always struck me as as, you know, a dumb character. The idea that you can just have plastic surgery and replace someone uh, like that uh, always struck me the wrong way. And I have to say, jumping ahead to the end of the episode, uh, when uh, Ryan was was having the fight with uh, Tommy, I actually thought to myself, oh, God, I just hope she punches him so hard his face comes off and we don't have to deal with that. And sure enough, she punched his face off. 
So thank you, Ryan. Uh, you you brought this uh, uh, this horrible uh, cul-de-sac of a uh, of a storyline. Uh, would they have pursued this longer if it had been Kate? I don't know. I think they probably would have played it more that it would have to be Kate that made the realization uh, that uh, Tommy wasn't Bruce. But the fact that they took advantage of this to just write this away and uh, and deal with something else again, getting away from the shadow of the back, getting away from the 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 Bruce Wayne shadow that hangs over everything or hung over everything last season, uh, I think is is smart going forward. So. You know, regardless of why they did it, I'm I'm glad. I thought, you know, honestly, Tommy did great in this episode. He played a a very convincing, smarmy Bruce Wayne. You could sense the moments when he wasn't entirely sure of himself or entirely confident, but he played it out with the uh, you know sort of uh, you know panache of a sociopath. But that said, I I am very happy we don't have to be dealing with this for more than one episode. Okay, Tommy Elliot, I will say you um, you. Uh, yes, I realized that. Damn it! Damn okay. it! Damn it! That was funny, though. There, are, there can only be so many Tommies, damn it. I know, right? I don't know. Yeah, uh, Millie, do you have anything to add in regards to Bruce? What did you think of Bruce and how they handled it uh, so succinctly in uh, the first episode? I second everything that the professor said. I think that if they were to, to elongate it any longer, it would just get mushy. Um, so I like how it got all resolved. Um, I do like how he played him in the, the weird like crazy way but also i don't know i kind of like found it a little bit charming so i I like how the actor did that um and i'm glad that it's done it was i thought it was a little gross to see his face come off but um (laughs) i was like now i have questions on how the whole face thing works um but i wasn't expecting that so it was kind of nice to see that maybe there is a flaw analysis plan with face swapping don't ask Uh, yeah it's just it's magic how the face thing works. They were switching faces so much last season. It's just, yeah, it was a lot. Um, as far as, for me, Bruce, uh, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, uh, the fact that he was singing it, the fact that we got a Batmobile and it was like a car and it wasn't like a tank, like what we're used to on the big screen, was awesome. The fact that Luke didn't even know that it existed or that it was behind that wall was amazing as well. Um, I loved the actor playing Bruce. I I just thought he did a really good job of playing, as you said, Millie, like sort of charming Bruce, but also manic Bruce because he was, in essence, Tommy masquerading as Bruce. If we ever do get Bruce back, I hope they bring back the actor and allow him to play it sort of, you know, sort of straight, you know, sort of like worn down hero that, you know, hung up the cape because, you know, that life was way too much for him. Like that might be kind of interesting. And if they, since, since I don't think Kate will be coming back, I don't think they are going to recast her. If Bruce did came, come back even for like a small arc and mentored Ryan, maybe not this season, but at at some point. I mean, I think that w- I would be open to that, especially with the actor. I thought he did a a, a decent job as uh, the Arrow versus or the CW versus uh, Bruce Wayne. Perhaps bring him back in a Batman Beyond sense. There you go. Maybe he's been broken down, you know, can't do it anymore, but can be sort of the uh, the gruff voice. The problem is, you know, Luke sort of plays that role now. Uh, but I think that would be a possibility. And I did like the actor. I just, as you said, I was so sick of face swapping from last season that I just really wanted the face to be slapped off. 
Yes, and they did, which was awesome. Which you know, indeed, it was the easiest way to prove that it wasn't Bruce outside of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, fingerprints. You got DNA, or you just smack his face off. Exactly. Yes, it's fantastic. Let's talk about Jacob. So, in this episode, Jacob finally got the four one one. He got all the information that he needed that was, in essence, right in front of his face throughout last season. So Bruce, or I should say quote-unquote Bruce, uh, basically um, lets Jacob know of where Alice is. And uh, he's, he's like, she's squatting in my mansion. Oh, I should say we saw Wayne, the Wayne Mansion, which was kind of cool. I was I was interested to see. I was like looking at it. I was like, is this the Queen Mansion? Did they rent the same mansion or something? But I don't think it was. I don't know how many mansions there are in Vancouver. Maybe many. But uh, so he he lets um, his uncle know that Alice is squatting in his mansion. He was like, you know, could you please not make a mess of thing when you go and collect her and and that sort of thing. Um, Alice had threatened uh, Tommy, in essence, and was like, I'm staying here, and uh, you'd rather me happy than not. So when Jacob arrives, she just drops a bomb on him. And she's like, Kate was Batwoman. Batwoman was Kate. And uh, the last thing that you said to her was that you hate her, and you tried to kill her. So that's, you know, she's dead, and that's her, her final uh, memory of, of you. And it rocks Jacob's world, and he's like, I don't believe you. And she's like, well, turn on the bat signal and see if she shows up. And so he does just that, and she does not show up, and Jacob breaks down and, uh, and cries. I will also say, because we'll, we'll talk about both of them, Alice had, you know, she did her, like, villainous monologue and told Tommy her plan. And in essence, what she had wanted to do was she wanted to, you know, pit uh, Kate as Batwoman against Jacob. She wanted to Jacob, she wanted Jacob to, in essence, acquire that kryptonite bullet, you know, the, the, the only substance that can pierce the Batsuit. And she wanted Jacob to shoot Kate as Batwoman. And then, you know, when Batwoman goes down, Jacob would approach, take off the mask, and realize that he killed his daughter. Burm, burm, burm. Talk about sick and twisted. And we've seen a lot of sick and twisted stuff from Alice. That was a bit over the top. Millie, what did you think of, uh, of Jacob's now, uh, real not well. It wouldn't be a realization, but the, the Jacob being bestowed upon with the knowledge that Kate was Batwoman, and and what did you think of Alice's uh, original plot for the Kryptonite Bullet? I'm glad that Jacob was kind of brought in on the secret. I think that's also part of like kind of wrapping up Kate's story. There's like no need to keep him in the dark. I think it'll be interesting how that feels him and how he directs the crows when, you know, this new Batwoman starts popping up. And I, I wonder if this grief is going to kind of be his arc for the season. Uh, Cause I think there's a lot there for him to think about. Uh, I really enjoyed the interaction with him and Alice. I think that Alice definitely has like fully lost her marbles, which I thought wasn't possible. Um, 
and that her plan unveiling that is really shows that. And I'm kind of curious if that plan was maybe somewhat what they had wanted to show on screen but couldn't, or if that was had always just what her ultimate idea was going to be with the kryptonite. So I was kind of curious in that sense. Yeah, I do wonder that as well. I'm I'm glad uh, they didn't really stretch any of that out. And uh, yeah, so uh, it, it was great to get that bit of information because I think that was also a dangling thread. And I'm glad Jacob knows as well. Uh, I always hate when someone else tells someone else a secret on these shows. I feel like the, the, the character should own up and, uh, and out themselves. Uh, clearly, Kate will not be with us, probably ever. So the secret had to come out. So it made the most sense for Alice to do it just because Alice would do it in the worst way possible. And, and that's how she did it. Uh, Professor, do you have anything else to add in regards to Jacob finding out the truth as well as Alice's OG plan for the kryptonite bullet? Well, what I liked about uh, Alice outlining her incredibly detailed plan is it was such a supervillain plan. And then to have Tommy go, what the fuck is your problem? Just shoot her. <laughs> Why would you set up this monstrously complicated plan where so many things go wrong? Just fucking shoot her. And that was basically, without the swears, what Tommy said to her. And it was such a, a deconstruction of the insane supervillain's plot of just just shoot her. And uh, but no, this is my plan. Da, 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 da. And he basically said, this is so complicated. All these things that have to work out right for your plan to work. I thought that was a hilarious. And, uh, you know, as someone as, as psychotic as, as Tommy pointing out, your plan is crazed because you're a lunatic. I thought that was really, really clever. I agree. Yes. So let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about Ryan and her first experience with the suits. Now, just to give a little bit of backstory on, on Ryan that we got in the episode, which I'm glad that we did. She does have a martial arts background. So I'm glad that they just sort of slipped that in. But that allowed at least us, the audience, you know, to be able to understand how she's going to be able to fight. Because that means she doesn't necessarily have to be trained from out the gate. Uh, so I, I did like that. But what did we think of, of Ryan and her first night out with, with the suit on? Professor? Well, I mentioned that there were uh, two or three scenes uh, in the episode where I thought to myself, okay, Ruby Rose could never have pulled that off. That was the first one where, you know, you have Ryan coming down, you know, upside down to go to the boo. She gets yanked down to the ground and goes, I did not think that through. Um, you know, that there's a level of humor. Um, a, uh, you know, a, a, a puckishness uh, to the character that, you know, we just didn't get last season. Uh, and I really like that. Uh, and, you know, sort of playing up the idea of, you know, uh, figuring out her suit as she's fighting with it, uh, I thought was really well done. So, yeah, I really like that scene because honestly, you know, uh, any of us, I don't care how good your martial arts prowess is. And by the way, even prior to that, when she was in the, the grotty bathroom, putting on the costume and trying to figure out how to get the gloves on and stuff like that uh, was was just delightful. There, there's something about. Uh, uh, you know, this, the actress playing Ryan, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, she's bringing an, an innocence and a freshness, uh, to the character that we really didn't have, uh, last season. And, and I really liked it from that first moment when she suited up. Millie, I want to get your take on Ryan as well, but I want to advance the plot a little bit. So, uh, 
you know, uh, Luke and Mary, they're searching for the suits because they're like, if the, if the suits is, is on, it, it's with Kate. And uh, Ryan, when she wears the suit, she triggers it. And so they end up tracking her. And uh, in essence, they realize that it's not Kate. And they're like, what are you doing with this? And she sort of explains her story, and she's like, I'm a statistic, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to change that, and I'm going to use this suit to, to uh, you know, basically exact revenge on the people that took away the person that I was number one in their life. And, uh, and so she, she does that, and, and uh, when she ends up, she also ends up saying, you know, okay, you know, I, I figured you're with her. You know, uh, she put two and two together that Kate Kane was Batwoman based off of, you know, the news as well as her finding the suit. And initially she's kind of like um, flippant about Kate being a hero. But then once she reads, you know, this, the article on Kate being missing and she realizes that she was a hero in the suit, but also a hero outside of the suits with her philanthropy, with uh, the bar that she opened and the, the reason why she opened the bar and that sort of thing. Um, she, she ends up realizing uh, maybe she isn't meant to wear the suits and that sort of thing. What did you think of, of um, Ryan's meeting of our people as well as Ryan when she's reading the uh, newspaper article on Kate Millie? I enjoyed the the meeting. I thought it was a little cute when it was like Luke and Mary like thought they had they saw Kate because it shows the bond that they had developed over the season and in the team. And then when they were disappointed to find out it wasn't her, it was a little sad. And you know, as kind of monologuing and sad stories it was, I do like kind of what the intention was with that whole you know I'm a statistic, I'm this number thing. I mean, it really sets up I think Ryan and kind of what's going to drive her. And, and succinctly into for like Luke and Mary to know moving forward. And I really do like how they parallel the way that Ryan was finding information about Kate in the same way that Luke and Mary are finding information about Ryan. Um, I thought that was kind of cleverly done. And I think it, it also sets up this idea of like what makes a hero, which, you know, I think all the CW shows like to explore. And really for us to see it, as it says, through these new fresh eyes, it doesn't really have a lot of experience in this superhero world at all. As you know, just from the streets, it'll be interesting to see how they explore all that um, moving forward. That is a really good point. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the character. I'm, I'm super excited to see, um, see Ryan really mesh with our people. Um, speaking of our people, we didn't, we got a lot of them, but we didn't really get a lot of story from them in this episode. I mean, it really is them sort of, uh, in essence, mourning Kate in this episode. It's them coming to the realization that Kate potentially is gone. She's missing and, and that sort of thing. And um, it, it's also them dealing with Ryan as this new force of nature in their life with her having the suit on and then uh, her, in essence, borrowing the suits, taking the suits, and then having to defend the suit later on in the episode. Uh, but uh, we did get some Mary and Luke scenes. Uh, Luke uh, was a lot with, uh, with Bruce 
and um, and Mary was in essence uh, researching Ryan and and really coping with uh, the fact that she she has another loss. You know, she lost her mom last season, and now she's lost uh, her sister. Uh, I'll just open it up to the floor. Uh, any thoughts on Luke and Mary throughout uh, this episode? I couldn't get beyond the, you know, when I was watching it, the uh, the realization that all this was shot in a post-COVID world. There was so much separation between the characters so much of the time, you know, the blocking of them was was always so distant. Um, and they were always, you know, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in crowd scenes and stuff like that, there were far fewer characters. It was just something that struck me and it sort of it took me out, which is nothing against the episode. It's just that the realization of what they're doing and the scene where, you know, Mary hugged Luke. You know, I actually had the visceral reaction. No, put on a mask and gloves. What are you thinking? Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of took me out a little bit just the the way that you know because we're you know living and shooting in a post-covid world um i think they had to shoot things you know wider so you didn't have the intimacy you might have had uh you know last year uh because you know last year we had this great chemistry developing between mary and luke and you know for you know for shipping purposes or whatever you know they were these smart funny characters that played off each other well Mm -hmm. we didn't really get that uh, that chemistry uh, now, whether it was because they were, you know, mourning Kate, uh, Kate or whatever, I don't know, but yeah, I, I really liked them together last season more than I did in this episode. That's fascinating. Cause you noticed like you noticed the COVID of it all. And I didn't, Oh, really- I noticed the blocking. Yeah. I noticed it tremendously in so many scenes where, you know, you just see, you know, the fact that they are keeping them, that distant um you know where you know in previous episodes they wouldn't have and you know the the times when they do get close to someone uh are so brief uh compared to in previous episodes you know just the blocking of it or the framing of it so that you know you can have two characters in frame but one is you know clearly much further back uh so they were keeping their distance i think i think you can see that uh in in the shooting of it okay and as I'm thinking about it, as you're describing it, I, I am noticing it. But as I was watching the episode, I wasn't that cognizant about it until Mary and Luke had that intimate moment where, where she's like, you know, it, you know, it, it, I don't remember exactly what she was saying, but she was like reassuring him and, and they embraced. And I was like, oh, you know, because they're all in essence, they all have to quarantine and they all get tested so uh, I, I know that they're they're being safe because in essence they're in a bubble, but that was something that I did notice sort of in this uh, post COVID world. Um, I wasn't. Really and it's that interesting that fully in this in episode. this post COVID world, you refer to a hug as intimate. Yes, that that tremendously intimate moment where you know two people touched each other. They embraced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the world has changed. The world has changed. Okay, so let's see. What haven't we discussed? Oh, well, yeah, we haven't discussed this. So, uh, Julia is still here, which is awesome. We loved her. And Sophie's still here, (laughs) which I'm sure um, Millie wasn't that excited about. But Sophie does get a moment in this episode. So... uh, Throughout the episode, Sophie is really kind of reeling, and she's trying to find out what happened to Kate, 
who could have been behind this and all this sort of stuff. She even talks to Julia and she's like, did you know something? You know, why were you here? You went into her safe and all this kind of stuff. And uh, she, she's really getting suspicious about stuff. And, and even Julia is like, you know, do you still love her? Like, do, do you still care for her? And this, that, or the other. And, and Sophie's being Sophie. We know that, right, Millie? Yes. Okay. And uh, finally, Julia's like, you know, I found this in the safe. You know, it has your name on it. And um, I didn't read it. This is yours. So here you go. And uh, Sophie reads the letter. She actually does read the letter. Uh, you know, it wasn't the whole thing where, like, they got <laughs> Ruby Rose on the Skype or something. And they had her read the letter. It was in Sophie's voice, but it was Kate's words. And in essence, Kate is like, yeah, I was Batwoman. I tried to hide it from you. You nearly figured it out. And I kept on lying to you. But I hope you understand why I did it. And I hope that you were proud of me. And uh, it was, in essence, a Dear Jane letter. Because she was also like, I love you. And all this kind of stuff. Uh, so I won't talk to you first about it, Millie. Because I know you have feelings. So, Professor, I'll start off with you. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Sophie and the letter? Well, if anyone is still thinking, maybe they'll get Ruby Rose to come back. The fact that they couldn't even get her to record the voiceover for this, when all she had to do was whip out her phone and uh, and record it from, you know, Australia. Um, I think that pretty much indicates that Ruby Rose is never coming back to the show. So get over that. Um, boy, I just, there's no point for Sophie to be on the show anymore. Her Ooh. only reason for being there. The only reason for her being there was to form, you know, an emotional triangle, an emotional. The, if they do set her up, you know, meeting Ryan in a bar and hitting it off with her, I will stop doing the podcast. I will throw my TV through a window. There is just no reason for it. Um, really, she's the character. But honestly, the problem is because they spent so much time last season. You know, what purpose does Jacob have? What purpose does Alice have? What purpose does Mary have anymore? Um, uh, you know, Sophie, you know, will she be, you know, a, a negative, you know, now one could argue with, with Jacob, you know, uh, now that he knows that his daughter was Batwoman, you know, maybe there's a new Batwoman and he'll react even more strongly against her because she's trying to take his daughter's role. That gives him something to do. Um, maybe you could argue the same thing for Sophie. I don't know. But honestly, as, as little as we liked, uh, you know, Ruby Rose at times last season, I think we were all pretty much universally agreeing that Sophie was not the strongest character. Um, whether that's the actress or whether that's the writing, I don't know. They didn't give her a great deal to do. But her whole purpose for being in the show last season was to be there as a love object for Kate Kane. Kate Kane is gone. Why is Sophie still there? I don't think you need that character anymore. Let's find other characters to investigate. All right. Millie? I 100% agree with the professor. Um, <laughs> and I think that I'm glad that, you know, as much as I have feelings about how I feel 
uh, <laughs> about her. I, I think that it was important to have that scene so we can get that closure if they're going to keep her on the show. But I think in, in the bigger thing that the professor touched on is I think the show needs to be able to take these risks where it's like, and not be married to these characters that we have grown attached to in in the first season if it doesn't work with Ryan and her story. I, I can kind of see the seeds being sown for Mary and Luke, the connection with, like, their parents and how they were all killed, and maybe that's where they grow the bomb, but as opposed to, like, with, with um, oh my goodness, with everyone else, it doesn't really make sense. So um, I hope that, you know, if, if it doesn't work, they're able to, to figure out a way to maybe write her out. Um, with that said, I did feel like the letter did kind of hit me in the feelings a little bit because it was that closure. So I, I could find that emotional beat they were going for. Um, so I did appreciate that slightly. Okay. Look at you. Millie has a heart. When it comes to Sophie. Okay. That's, I, I loved it. Uh, I do agree though with all of you. Um, yeah. I think every character makes sense on the show in a post Kate Kane world. Except for Sophie. And I hope, Professor, I, I, I hope they do not go that route with Ryan and Sophie. I, I'd rather Ryan with Julia. Rather Ryan and Sophie. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. That would be just ridiculous. Like, she can't have, a, you know, she's going to jump into bed with the other bat. Like, like no. Let's not do that. My hope, though, is that they go the opposite route with Jacob because he didn't have that chance where he could be supportive of his daughter as the bat. I hope he's supportive of this new bat. Like, that. that's just, that's my hope. Like, I hope that they get a Batwoman sort of on record, you know, maybe, you know, during her coming out party, you know, when, when she's sort of makes her, her, um, you know, a, a big move and a, and a big rescue for Gotham. And, you know, they just put a microphone in front of her and she says something like, I'm doing this in honor of, uh, of the original Batwoman or something like that. Or I was inspired by the original Batwoman. And that's the thing that triggers for Jacob and and that makes him, in essence, be supportive of her. Because we saw the Crows and Jacob versus Batwoman all throughout season one. And um, had they kept Kate, I would have hoped that that relationship would have changed at a certain point. And so now that we have a new character, let's just have that relationship be different from the beginning. Having said that, would the average person in the street realize this is a different Batwoman? You know, because you're, you're arguing that, you know, you're going to stick a, a microphone on her face. And she's going to say, I'm doing this for the old Batwoman. I think the average Gothamite would just think, well, that's Batwoman. The same one as before. Maybe. So I, I don't know that you would have to do that. I'm trying to think of, because you can see some of her face. So, and it's clearly a black woman versus a, a white woman now yeah but i don't think i don't know if we ever had you know any clear enough photos of, of batwoman to make that argument you well, know the, she, the whole point of remember she was on the cover of uh of yeah that point yeah yeah and you know leaving aside the ludicrousness of you know a vigilante superhero appearing on the cover of a magazine um that. yeah yeah so i think yeah 
So I think they they will have to at some point uh, say something about it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the media sort of you know puts two and two together that Kate Kane was Batwoman. But uh, but yeah. So I don't know. I just I'm putting out the good vibes that Jacob has a different relationship with this Batwoman. Uh, based off of uh, the guilt that he feels about his previous relationship with uh, Batwoman. All right, so I think the final thing that we have to discuss is uh, another letter. This one was was less words than the one Kate left. So Alice throughout the episode was in essence mourning her sister. She was dressed in all black. And uh, outside of the fact that she was also threatening uh, Tommy and spilling the tea to uh, Jacob, at the end of the episode, she gets a message via a paper airplane, because I guess that's what you do in a villainous type of world. And it's another message from Sophia, and it basically said, consider us even. And it's in regards to Kate. So throughout the episode, Alice was like, oh, who took you know my revenge from Kate? I will make them suffer. And we see at the very tail end, she chats with Mouse, a very dead Mouse, uh, that, you know, oh, you know, I have new purpose. It's me versus Sophia. Yeah, and there's no bat around uh, to, like, stop us now, in essence. I will say the thing that kind of shocked me about this entire episode is that I feel like they actually got the, the the actor that played Mouse to come back for that tiny moment, unless that was filmed last season or something, which I, I don't think it was. Uh, so I was surprised in this COVID world where people have to, um, you know, uh, self-quarantine and, and things like that. It looks like they actually got the actor that played Mouse. Like, I don't think that was a dummy. I think that was Mouse. So that surprised me. So Alice versus Sophia. And it looks like Sophia is behind Kate's death. And I'm putting that in air quotes. Any thoughts? I'll open it up to the floor. I'm generally not a fan of stunt casting. So when they bring in a noted EDM DJ to play one scene, Dead Mouse. Uh, that was brilliant. Um, thank you. It's thank that you. kind of it humor. It really didn't occur we, to me until you... <laughs> it's that kind of humor we need in a post... in a, in a, in a, in a COVID world. <laughs> I, had two, I had two thoughts. Which The first was the idea of the, uh, the paper airplane, you know, drifting in, was basically the same as Tommy saying to her in the early earlier saying to Alice earlier, what the fuck is your problem? You know, why are you doing this incredibly Byzantine thing when you don't have to? And so for, you know, presumably Sophia or one of her people to write this message, fold it up in a newspaper and just throw. And by the way, anyone who's thrown a paper airplane knows how difficult it is to throw with any accuracy at any given time. Absolute nonsense. Um, <laughs> but uh, it did set up a, uh, you know, a, a rather touchy thing. Now, having gotten back to something that I totally dismissed earlier in the episode, uh, it, it does occur to me that if they wanted, and I don't think they should, but if they wanted to reintroduce uh, Kate Kane, the way they could do it is that this Sophia character, who's obviously, you know, well-connected and everything like that, um, she could have theoretically kidnapped Kate Kane uh, and, you know, force her into plastic surgery, uh, you know, a la a, a soap opera when they want to recast mm -hmm, a character. Mm -hmm. And so we could have a different Kate Kane 
introduced later or perhaps at the end of the uh, the season. The only way I would think that was even vaguely acceptable is if it was part of a plot by this Sophia. But I do think it's interesting that, you know, um, you know, we, we talked last season about the fact that even though Alice was technically the big bad, she's so freaking charismatic. We all love Alice. We love Rachel, um, you know, and we want more. And, and, you know, my real fear was that Alice was going to be a just a one season big bad and we'd never see her again. The fact that she's setting herself up in opposition to Sophia uh, means that if Sophia is this season's big bad, we'll get more of uh, uh, of Alice and more of Rachel. And uh, so I'm in favor of that. I do like the fact that she's sort of like, you know, uh, regarding Sophia as the person who who took her revenge away from her and it gives her a reason to stick around. And I'm glad we have that, if nothing else. So here's a problem with what you're saying, Professor, and then I have something that might blow your mind. So the problem with what you're saying is, from what I've read, Sophia isn't going to be necessarily the big bad of the season. It looks like this, this um, what are they called again? The, the face, false face gang. It looks like they're going to be the big bad, and, and their leader, Black Mask, will be... Right, I forgot about Black Mask. Yeah, oh. it looks like he's going to be the big bad of the season, and Sophia maybe will be a mini-boss or, or a mini-bad. Um, so, so there's that. So the thing that's going to blow your mind is, is that I was thinking about what you were saying, and I was also thinking about the Alice problem. Which, we love Alice. Rachel Scarson is fantastic as Alice. But at a certain point, everyone is going to look completely incompetent if Alice remains out on the street. And, and I get the idea of, you know, Kate couldn't do it because it's, it's her sister. But what's to stop Ryan from doing it? You know what I'm saying? So the problem, the, the way that they could fix this Alice problem, and I'm putting problem in air quotes because we do like Alice, but, but th- she can become a problem in the sense that it just, it seems ludicrous that she's still out there and, and they haven't been able to stop her and nobody can catch her. What if they do do the face swap thing and Sophia does it and they give her Alice's face? And so Rachel Scarston will play Kate Kane and Alice will die. Well, I think basically you are flashing back to June of last year when we were recasting I know. Uh, that woman. And I came up with the crazy suggestion. Why don't you get Rachel Scarston to play the new Kate Kane? Yeah, but that's the only... Because she is so good. And that's the only way that I can see them keeping Rachel permanently. And bringing Kate back. But then the problem happens to where if you have Kate Kane back, why doesn't she pick up the bat mantle? You know what I'm saying? So that becomes an issue. It's just, I, I like, I can't see Alice sticking around. Well, you could have, you know, again, getting back to the comics, you could have the battle for the cowl, which is that, you know, give um ryan a season to establish yourself as the new batwoman and then have this kate kane come back and claim no i'm really batwoman and you know you know basically the fight for it who gets to be the batwoman it should be the person who did it first or the person who's doing it now i think that could work i don't think they're going to do that i don't think we're ever going to have kate kane come back she's dead deal with it 
Um, see what I said about Laurel Lance back several seasons ago in Arrow. I know, right? Um, but uh, if they were going to do that, I think it, it would require, you know, the the expectation, you know, and, and Batwoman does not have the best ratings, as you said at the beginning of the episode. So yeah. I don't know that we can plan for, you know, multiple seasons. If we could, I think you could totally see a situation where, you know, a Kate Kane comes back, um, you know, towards the end of the season or at the very end of the season and possibly, you know, damaged by what she's gone through in a wheelchair or, you know, uh, dealing with something else, wanting to be Batwoman, even though someone has replaced her and then putting, you know, uh, Luke and, and Mary in a very difficult situation of, you know, uh, you know, because they would have spent the season establishing a relationship, a trust, you know, being the team for uh, Ryan and then having this Kate come back um, and uh, and and basically saying, hey, you know, I should be doing this. Um, I think that could be really, really interesting. I don't think they're going to do it and I'm not sure they should, but mm-hmm. it could be interesting. Yeah. But I think if, if you've got Sophia coming in, who's obviously not just a bad guy, but opposed to, uh, to Alice and you have, uh, um, you know, um, oh God, what is it? Black skull? No. Um, black mask, black mask. Thank you. Uh, coming in as a bad guy as well. You could have a situation where maybe they're, you know, uh, presenting Alice. you know, obviously Alice was, you know, absolutely terrible. And even, you know, this episode, she did, you know, um, you know, kill someone uh for absolutely no reason um but possibly putting her up against people who are even worse um not entire i wouldn't call it a redemption arc for alice but maybe making her not the worst uh gives them a reason to keep her around and also when you've got other bigger bads um that means alice doesn't have to be in every episode which i think you know much we love alice and, and and great though rachel is um they overused her as the bad last episode last season and uh, if they could introduce other people to sort of take some of the heat off of her so she didn't have to be there you know mocking them for their failures every week um i think they could easily stretch her out over the entire season okay i could dig that all right and and the the tiniest little storyline that we got at the end of the episode is uh so we we learned last season the kryptonite it can pierce the bat suit it's the only thing that can pierce it we we learned that we saw that in the episode even ryan was uh was shocked that the bullets you know weren't penetrating the suit but then uh tommy as bruce ends up shooting ryan in the shoulder with uh the kryptonite bullet they have a fantastic fight scene as we know she she punches his face off uh for in essence killing her plant but but she sort of speaks to her plant as as you know as she's speaking to her mom and so she has a connection to the plant but uh you know mary and luke they're they're shocked that ryan is alive and that she's fine and um and, and even mary's like you know you know well, we don't have Kate, you know, you can, you can be Batwoman. And, and, and Ryan's like, no, you know, I'm, I'm not, in essence, she's like, I'm not worthy. And at the end of the episode, we do see, you know, under the bandage that she, she put on herself, um, the wound, uh, well, clearly it wouldn't have healed, but it's, it's kind of glowing kryptonite ish. What do we think this means? Millie? 
I think obviously like my first, my mind like first went to oh is she gonna get some weird kryptonite powers, but I'm like I don't know if I really want them to go down that route because kind of like how Batwoman is that gritty doesn't really have powers, and so then my mind was maybe she's gonna die of radiation. Um, oh my go. gosh! <laughs> well, you gotta go one or the other extremes. <laughs> um, no, I'm curious if, if they are gonna go the route where it does something to her and does give her something, or if it's more just that gives her a reason to have to go and, and trust. Luke and Mary more because obviously they know what this kryptonite is and might be able to help her. Okay. Professor, any thoughts on what's going on with Ryan after getting shot with kryptonite? Well, two thoughts. My first thought is when Ryan first comes in and, uh, and meets Luke and Mary and Mary says, can I see the wound? Ryan reacts, fuck no bitch because ryan doesn't know that mary is a doctor and mm-hmm. if you're meeting someone for the first time and say hey can i see your wound your obvious reaction is to be fuck no bitch um so absolutely the right call by mary or by ryan in that case uh, i did find it interesting you know there's uh, a trope about uh, the cw verse or the arrow burst, if you prefer, that when something glows green, it's not good. So the fact that they were doing that with her wound was interesting. I do wonder whether they were trying to set up, there were plans for a crossover between Batwoman and Superman and Lois, and possibly a crossover with Supergirl as well, and those have been wiped out because of COVID. So I wonder whether they were trying to set up something to to pay off in a crossover that they won't be able to deal with now. Um, as with Mary, I, I'm, I don't want her to develop superpowers because the whole point of the Bat mythos is that these are normal people. Um, uh, you know, well, normal people with power, with abilities far beyond yours or mine, and also super high-tech suits, stuff like that. But still, um, I do wonder, though, whether they're going to set up. I'm, I'm pretty sure it will lead to her having to seek out help, which will lead her to go back to Luke and Mary, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, fever, psychosis, whatever. Um, but yeah, as I say, in the CW-verse, something glowing green, never good news. Yeah. You did call Millie Mary, and that was adorable. Did I? Oh, I'm so sorry, Millie. I did that last year. Ah, the funny thing is, at the beginning of the episode, I was going to ask uh, Jeff, what did I call Millie last year it was when I Melly. was getting her name wrong? Melly. Yeah. I did not call her Melly. Yes, you used no to call her Melly. No one has ever called anyone Melly. Yes. Right, Millie? <laughs> that was like ages ago. <laughs> I know, right? She hasn't even thought about it. She's been you know, too I really don't I don't really don't want to claim the whole all Asians look alike stereotype to say why I called her Mary, but I I, I refuse to argue to agree that I call anyone Melly ever. I feel like you did. I don't know. Melly, no. Melly is not a name. Well that is true. I think it's far more likely that I called Millie Mary, because that's at least someone's name. Anyway, oh, okay. I apologize, Millie. Mia Culpa, Mia Max Culpa. We are going into the MVPs. I insist you get to choose your MVP first because oh. I'm a terrible human being. Well, there you go. Well, before we head into that. I'll just MVP, be sitting here quietly in the background beating myself. Yes. Before we get into MVP, did I miss anything? I feel like we covered everything. I just want to make sure. Was there a tiny moment that I didn't mention that anybody wants to discuss? All right, I guess not. So let's head on head on into the MVP, the first MVP of this brand new season, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. And the professor has uh, has said he will go second. So Millie, that means you may go first. Who is your MVP? Y por qué? 
Ooh, um, I think I have to go with I think one of the obvious choices. It has to be Alice. Uh, I mean, Princess and Moonshine, we love Rachel. And I think that this, uh, it's just, it was her crazy at the best. And I think that, like, Kate's death or supposed death really helped kind of kick that off in, in a different light that we see um, it. And so it was really fun to watch. Um, she just played it all really well. So I'll have to give it to Alice. A very good choice, Professor, your MVP. And uh, poor Well, oops, sorry. Well, George, um, huh? uh, I would obviously have chosen Alice as well. I think I have a basic, you know, default Alice rule, which is unless something else happens, I will always choose Alice. But um, I thought I really liked Ryan. Um, I thought she was really good. I liked her character from, you know, just that moment with her adopted mother. And, you know, that that brief scene in the hallway, I really liked her. Um, I, I love that scene, her first fight scene, you know, uh, you know, coming to deal with that. The, the panic she had when she was being chased by Tommy in the Batmobile. Uh, I thought she was really, really good. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Batwoman was not my favorite show of the uh, the CW verse shows last season, but I am looking forward to seeing what uh, Javicia Leslie does with this character going forward. I, I only hope they they give her the room to grow. And I kind of liked that uh, that number scene that uh, that Millie was talking about earlier, uh, where she was talking about her motivation for becoming Batwoman. And you know, we talk about it a lot over on Black Lightning. You know, the importance of representation, the importance of you know strong voices and i think in batwoman it's important to have that as well and i think this is a character that can that can bring that out so i really i really liked how she played it you know it was strong it was smart but it was funny and someone who was fumbling and finding her way through so i thought she did a very good job i like it great choices from from everyone so far and uh i'm going to give the mvp to luke I really liked Cameras Johnson in this episode. I I liked what they did with him in regards to Bruce, sort of like allowing him to get a moment of hope that his friend was back, you know, after all this time. Um, I enjoyed the betrayal, you know, because I liked seeing him, um, you know, realize that he was betrayed and, and that Bruce wasn't who he said he was. I liked seeing him go through the emotions in regards to Kate and the realization. I thought he acted it really well. And uh, I liked seeing him, in essence, be the hard ass to, to Ryan in this episode. Uh, Mary was the one that's, or is the one that's a little bit more open and willing to uh, um, have Ryan take on the the Bat Mantle. And it looks like um, Luke is going to be the one that's going to need some convincing. And I, I like that. So they're, I think they're setting his storyline up to be really interesting for the rest of the season. So uh, props to him and kudos to his work in this episode. So now let's rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 bat signals? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the bat cave let's start off with the professor since he went second uh in the mvp round you know what i i did like it um i'm gonna give it a solid seven and a half bat signals all right 7.5 from the professor millie what about you i think it was a solid start to to it so i'll have to give it eight bat signals all right 
So we got a seven and a half and an eight. I'm surprised Millie's usually the hard ass. And she gave it an eight. I'm not trying to get you to change your mind, Millie. Um, uh, but I will co-sign with the eight. I was actually going back and forth between a seven and a half and an eight. And I'll give it an eight just because of Ryan. Uh, what a really great introduction to what what at, so far at least through the throughout this episode was a really strong character and a history making character as well a black woman taking on uh you know the the bat mantle um i thought she did a fantastic job i thought all of our regulars did a really good job with the material they were given and we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the season uh goes so uh on that note Join us next time for a brand new installment of the Gotham City Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Gotham City Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Good night, everyone. And remember, Millie, 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 Millie. Speaking of Millie. Millie. Yes, Millie. Good night, Gotham. Uh, And if you want to follow along, um, find me by my name, Millie, or at the Asian Nerd on Twitter. Perfect. Well, thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Gotham City Gazette every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.